Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. I press Holy Ghost power into their lives right now. I press kingdom exalting blessings into their lives. Destroy every yoke that would hinder us from being all that you created us to be. Let us receive direction this morning from you and vision and anointing to draw all men unto you. And we ask these things in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Come on in, guys. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm with you guys to teach Torah this morning. Uh, I got the notification about 730 this morning. So God is good. God is able. And he does what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. And I'm grateful to him for that. Um, and and the, the major thing I can think of with this kind of a last minute ordeal is, where in the book of 2 Timothy 4, 2, it says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And the, the key thing to that is you can't do that if you're not in the word of God. And so my life is an example of the word of God because unlike many people that get up and speak and teach and preach, I don't study to preach and teach. I study to live because I recognize that my power and my kingdom authority comes from the word of God. So if I'm going to walk through the vicissitudes of life, I have to have enough of him in in me so that I can exhibit his power everywhere I am and in everything that I do. So I have a little different approach than many people. Um, Good morning, Jackie. Did you drive yourself? Praise the Lord. Good to see you, my friend. I've known Jackie a long, long time. I'm praying for that, that driving thing. God's going to move on that. Um, Pastor Scott and, and uh, Pastor Lydia are not here. They, uh, he's taking her away for her birthday. Um, she has a birthday on Tuesday. So if you guys shoot her an email and say happy birthday. Um, I don't know if she wants me to tell you, but it doesn't matter. She's not here. She's going to be 71 on Tuesday. Praise God for that. I'm praying to get there. Unless the rapture comes, of course. I'll take the rapture over 71 any day. <laughs> so this morning's Torah portion comes from Genesis 32, verses 4 through 36 Genesis 32 verses 4 through 36 and verse number 43 so I'm going to read in your hearing because I know it's a lot and thank God I brought my glasses today isn't God amazing he reminded me to bring my glasses (laughs) and beginning in verse number four it says and he commanded them saying, speak thus to my Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants, 
And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau. And he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to one to the one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father, Abraham and of God and God of my father, Isaac. The Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother from the, land, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me, and the mother with the children. For you said, I love reminding God of what he said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Verse 13, so he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 fowls. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. Let's jump down to, uh, what is it, verse, let's go to 32. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the, on the hip socket. Just because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. We all know this, this, this story, at least if we've been in church in any number of years or any amount of time, we know this story um, of Jacob wrestling with God. And we've heard it taught and preached in so many different ways. And, but but it's, an, it's an amazing story, and, and, I, and I love this story. And so the theme of today's Torah portion that I'm receiving from this passage is that, um, first of all, we, have, we need to understand that this story takes place in a very dramatic time. Does anybody know anything about Jacob? Jacob was Mr. Drama to me. Y'all may not see it that way. But Jacob always had some drama associated with him. You know, the Bible says he was a liar and a trickster and a, you know, a manipulator. Jacob was everything that some of us have been. 
whether we're willing to admit it or not. See, the problem with many of us, we're not willing to admit it. But we have to, in order to be healed from these things, we have to come to a place in our life where we're willing to admit what we wore and give that to God and say, God, make me new. Because in order for me to be everything that you have called me to be in the next season of life and to be fruitful and multiply, which he commanded us to do, I have to acknowledge my past sins so that I can walk into the newness of life that he has in store for me. So I believe this is what this passage is, what what he's teaching us today is that this is a pathway to wholeness so that we can overcome our brokenness. Because whether you want to admit it or not, all of us are broken in some way, shape, form, or fashion. We all have been broken. But this passage, I believe, is sharing with us, you don't have to stay in your brokenness. If you're still walking in your brokenness, it's because you have chosen to embrace your brokenness over your holiness. And we cannot choose to walk in our brokenness more than we walk in our holiness. Because doors are open not from our brokenness, but from our holiness. Our brokenness prepares us to walk faithfully in our holiness. Does that make sense? See, I learned with all of the crazy stuff that I went through, that I've gone through in my life, is that the broken seasons of life prepare me to walk uprightly with my head held high because I have a testimony that I came through the broken seasons where I should have failed and I should have faltered and I should have died and and I should have curled up and and just gave up on life but there was enough holiness in me and enough word of God in me that I had more of a desire to live for him So I begin to get deeper into his word so that I could push past my brokenness. See, many times we attach ourselves and affix ourselves to to broken people. Do you know we, we tend to become the people that we hang around? See, a lot of people don't agree with that. But I'm a living testimony. There's been times in my life that I became the kind of people that I hung around. The people that I abhorred, the people that I just couldn't stand them. But I start hanging around them or they would start hanging around me. And then over time, I would see myself becoming them. So part of that brokenness could be you have attached yourself to people that you thought were supposed to be with you for life. And they put these seeds in you of brokenness. And you're walking in this brokenness that you still have some areas that you need to be healed from. But we have to identify those areas of brokenness so that we can lay them before the, 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 the almighty king so that he can heal that broken place in us. Because I believe, I truly believe God wants to do that in each and every one of us. I mean, he did it for me. I know he wants to do it for you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not all the way there. But I'm at least three quarters of the way there. There's still a little evil in me. But God is working on that because I don't mind giving that to him every day. Jackie hated when I say that kind of stuff. But it's the honest truth. She's like, she tells me all the time, Troy, certain things you just shouldn't say. I can't help it. God made me too honest. 
I don't care who knows. See, the problem with saints is we like to hide our past. But when you hide your past, you can't be healed from it. You can't be restored from it. You can't get closer to God with all that stuff that you're hiding. See, somebody in here got a bunch of stuff under your bed right now. And you had company coming over. You just shoved the stuff under the bed. Hmm. But God is saying, I want all that stuff under the bed. I want it out. He said, I want you to pull it out so that I can heal it. All of that stuff that you're trying to hide. He said, I know you have it. So why, how are you going to hide it from me? I created you. I know it's there. But what I want you to do is relinquish your authority of it. You're using it as a crutch. God said, let it go. See, we have many times we, we pray for different things and we're asking God for healing or healing our kids or grandkids. Or, thank God I don't have any of that stuff. Uh, I got the kids, but but thank God. But, you know, we ask for those things. But I want you to really ponder this morning. Have you really positioned yourself to receive them? See, many of us are saying, well, God, I'm waiting on you. But God is saying, I'm waiting on you. You have not positioned yourself to receive the blessing from me. He said, I haven't denied the blessing to you. I'm just waiting on you to prepare yourself to receive it. Because if you, oh, thank you, Jesus. If you really trust God, you will prepare yourself to receive the promise of God in your life. People don't receive God's promises because they haven't prepared themselves to receive the promise of God. It's like you guys have heard me talk about a gentleman. Hey, good morning, Laura. You guys have heard me talk about a gentleman that I met a while back that said he was believing God to become a millionaire but didn't have a bank account. Okay, so where, if God blesses you with a million dollars, what are you going to do with it? You ain't have where to put it. And then I asked him, I said, so when you get it, what are you going to do with it? He said, I'm going to buy me a house. I'm going to buy me a car. Everything was me, me, me. I'm going to do this for my mom. Me. So it was the circle of him and his family. I said, God doesn't bless us to bless us. He blesses us to be a blessing. So first of all, you're not in a mental position to receive from God because you, you don't have the mindset of, Whatever I receive, I want to find somebody that I can be a blessing to. And so one thing that God has proven true in my life over the years is that he will get it to you if he can get it through you. The problem is most of us are we have that list just like that young man. God, if you give me this, I'm going to do this, this, this and this because I see it as the blessing is for me and me alone. And so, which takes me to my, 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 my next major point before I get into these other principles. Is that as we're going through and dealing with this, this whole fight that we're in, this is annoying me. This whole fight that we're in is our, the fight for our destiny. See, when Jacob went and wrestled with God, He was fighting with God for his destiny. He said, God, show me me. Show me how to fix me. 
Has anyone in here ever been in a place where you were sick and tired of being sick and tired? And you said, I'm going to shut myself in. And God, I am not going to get out of your word. I'm not going to get off of my face until I feel your presence, until I see the breakthrough coming in my life. God, I am giving this time to you. Not only am I giving this time to you, I want to give my life to you. So however long it takes for me to hear from you, for however long it takes for me to feel your presence and feel the breakthrough coming in my life, I'm surrendering right now. And I'm giving it all to you because I need to hear from you. I went through that in a season in my life. And I'm going to tell you, I trusted God so much in that particular season. I had it was and I had just finished preaching. I preached on a Sunday and I preached myself happy. I don't know if anybody else got what I got that Sunday morning. I preached myself happy and I danced around my church for at least 20, 30 minutes. Got home and I said, God, this is the week that I am not giving up until I hear from you. I'm not giving up till you bless me. I need to know what my real destiny is because I understand I, I understand all of this other stuff. And, I'm, uh, and you've given me the vision to speak into other li- people's lives, their destiny. But, God, I need to know my destiny. I said, I'm tired of church folk. I'm tired of preaching to these people that are crazy. They don't understand anything that I'm saying. I said, God, I'm sick of them. And I said, if I don't hear from you this week, I'm done. And he said, no, you can't be done. And so I shut myself in and I'm crazy. I did something probably none of you have ever done or even thought about doing. I called off from work Monday and I stayed shut in my closet all day Monday, crying out to God and nothing all night in my closet, crying out to God. The next morning I called off to work again. I said, God, I told you. I am not coming out of here. This week is dedicated to seeking you. I don't want anything but you. I I will not let anything come between my soul and my savior this week. No television, no phone, no computers, nothing. I'm getting into your presence and I'm seeking your face because I need to know what my destiny is. And I ended up calling off that whole week. And do you know it wasn't until Saturday afternoon that the presence of God descended on me like a dove in my closet. And I literally stayed in that, in that, in that closet all week long. Thank God for walking in closets. I locked myself in that closet all week long. And Monday morning I got to work. They said, well, because you called off all week, we don't need your services anymore. And you know what? They, they thought I was crazy because when they said it, I said, well, God, I thank you. Woo! Thank you. Because not only was that purposeful, you have set me on a course to walk into my destiny. And so I go home and I'm in my house. And I'm still in the presence. I'm, I'm God, I thank you. I don't know where we're going and what you're doing. And there's a guy I hadn't talked to in probably 15 years called me. He said, hey, I need, a, uh, I need a project manager for a building project. I said, I don't know anything about building, architect, construction. It's not my area of expertise. He said, the Lord told me to call you. Hi, shot. And, and so 
I did. I sought him with all my heart. But he already had a pathway into my destiny set up. But he was waiting on me to make the step to prepare myself to step into the destiny that he already had for me before the foundation of the world. Before I was in my mother's womb, that was the destiny that he had for me that set me on the course to where I am now. So I ended up saying, okay, I, let's do this. I said, I don't want you to pay me to do this because I don't even know what I'm doing. And I don't want you wasting your money. He said, well, I give you full autonomy over the project. I said, are you crazy, Craig? What is wrong with you? You're going to give somebody that I'm telling you myself out of my own mouth. I have no experience. I don't even have the mind to do this. But you're giving me full autonomy. He said, I trust you. He said, because God told me you were the person to get this done. And I said, so where do I start? He said, well, you got to start with the architects. He said, because they're drawing up the blueprint. I said, I don't know anything about reading blueprints. So I called the architects. I said, I need to know how to read blueprints because I'm in charge of XYZ project. And they said, and you don't know how to read blueprints? No, I don't know how to read blueprints. I've seen them before from a distance, but I don't know anything about reading them. And because of my humbleness, they took me under their wings, H&K Architects, and taught me how to read blueprints. And people pay money to go to school to learn this stuff. So God had so much favor on me in my destiny that he positioned me in a place where I could learn something that I didn't know. I didn't even have a desire to learn, but he wanted me to know it. But it was part of my destiny to get to where he was taking me. And this uh, this all was orchestrated from my wrestling with him. Having him really giving in to him and having that little discussion and debate and fight with him. And so from there, now we go in. I learned how to read blueprints. And now I'm at the table and they're saying, well, this is kind of this was the, the, like the really launching point for me to get, really get deep into the, the political arena. So he said, now the Dallas City Council, they don't want to give us our permits to build the building. So I need you to see what you can do. See what I could do. What you want me to do? I said, I'll pray. He said, no, I need you to go talk to them. I'm like, I don't know any of those people. So I go down and I start setting up meetings with the mayor at the time and the city council members. And I'm sitting down with them. And I'm having a discussion with them. And the Holy Spirit said, well, go down to the facility and take a look at the current facility. And I walk through and I'm making a checklist of all these problems with the facility. I know nothing about major contracts. I'm looking at the 99-year lease contract that he currently had from back in the 80s with the city of Dallas. And I'm outlining all of these issues in the contract where the city of Dallas has not kept their maintenance end of the deal on the property. So I bring this to their attention. Now they're ready to do business. Now they're trying to figure out how to get out of the deal. Now, remind you, this is all God working. It's none of this is me because I don't know what I'm doing. And so what I and I believe God wants me to increase your faith in him today through this testimony, because I've never shared this testimony with anybody ever. Nobody, nobody knows this but my kids. And so I go back and I sit down with Craig and I say, OK, we got the city of Dallas situation uh, worked out. 
I've got a few um, architectural designs that I want to, to sit down with you and show you so and see what meets your approval. And he said, well, now I need you to work out the budget and how things are going to be spent and get together all of the who's going to do what and start getting bids. I'm like, I've gotten bids to do stuff in my house. I don't know anything. This is a huge project. And so he said, your budget, the dollar amount I'm going to allocate to you, and I hit the floor. I, I mean, I literally fell on the floor when he said this. He said, the dollar amount that I'm going to allocate to you to execute this project is $450 million. Whoa. I said, Craig, I ain't never even seen $450 million. Let's <laughs> known trying to figure out how to spend $450 million of somebody else's money. I said, are you crazy? He said, no. He said, what you don't see is that everything that I've asked you to do, you've been resistant to it, but you've done it. And he said, you've done it better than I could have done it. He said, so there is a certain favor of God on you that will get this stuff done the way it needs to be done. And just jumping ahead and make a long story short, I ended up getting everything done. Got the building built. The building is in downtown Dallas right now. It's the new KPMG building where you worked. I built that building for $350 million. Came in $100 million under budget. Only God can do that. I drive by that building on purpose because I'm like, And I don't even know what I was doing. But I did that. And so that's what God does for us when we don't expect it and we don't quite understand it. But it's that those encounters with him that position us. And I believe that not only is that him wrestling with Jacob a sign of our internal warfare with ourselves, but I believe it's a sign of uh, spiritual warfare. And so overcoming that spiritual warfare and that internal warfare happens when you step outside of yourself and you just believe God so much and say, God, if you want me to do it, I'll do it. I don't know what I'm doing, but the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And so and and during that season, that was one of the scriptures that sustained me. I was like, the just shall live by faith. And I preached and taught it. The just shall live by faith. And God said, I called you for just, instead of such, he said it for just this time. So you are just the person for this job. And he said, I'm using this not to get you into construction, but I want to show you how to build lives. And so all of that resonated over into what I do now. And I never would have thought that that would have been the case. And so what I want you to take away from what I'm sharing this morning is no matter what struggles you face, no matter what challenges you wrestle with, you can recover. You can recover from a fall. Now, remember in the story, Jacob 20 years earlier, Jacob had some issues with Esau. And he saw Jacob bringing all these cattle and all that stuff. 
Jake, that's Jacob's way of trying to make amends so his brother don't kill him for taking his birthright blessing away. See, we, we humans, we can do some manipulative stuff. I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to bring you a bunch of stuff and you're going to accept it and you're going to forget what I did. Even though I brought all kind of evil on you and I'm, I meant you no good, but I'm just going to bring you gifts. And there's some husbands in here that have acted like that. <laughs> I'm going to bring you gifts instead of saying, sweetheart, I apologize. No, I'm just going to bring you some flowers and then you'll get the picture. No, brothers, I'm going to tell, tell you for the ladies, they want to hear an apology. <laughs> she said, that's right. <laughs> and I know it's difficult. It's, it's, it can be difficult, especially that the male ego thing. I've had that. Been there, done that, got a t-shirt. <laughs> but Starting with this, we have to overcome our past. How do we overcome our past? We overcome our past by, first of all, knowing who we are. That's number one. How do you know who you are? You got to know God. You can only know who you are from knowing him. If you don't know him, you can never know you. Because everything that you are and who he created you to be and your destiny is all tied to him. So if you don't seek him and ask him, God, show me me. I still ask him that on a regular basis. God, show me me. So Jacob's wrestling within himself. Think about this. As you wrestle with God, what spirit in you would dominate? The spirit of self, the spirit of pride, or the spirit of God? Are you willing? To, are you even willing to wrestle with him? Some of us are not even willing because we don't want to know. Can I be real? Maybe it's just me. I know, Tamara, it's just me, right? I'm the only one to tell God, yeah, I don't really want to know. I'm not going to fight. I don't want to know. I don't really care. That's just me. I know. It's okay. I'm just honest. Number two, we got to make sure that we're fighting the right battles. See, we like to fight people, but the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and 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 every and and imaginations and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge. So while you're attacking your brother or sister, God's saying that ain't even the fight. The fight is in you. Do you know the greatest enemy you have in your life is the enemy in you? It's not the devil. The greatest enemy you have in your life and the greatest enemy you will ever face is the enemy in you. The enemy that tells you that you're not enough. The enemy that tells you you're not sufficient. The enemy that tells you you're too old or you're too young or you're too this, you're too that. You're a woman. You're a young man. You don't have enough hair. You don't have enough, you, you, you know, your beard is too long. or you, all, you can't grow facial hair. All of this foolishness that we get caught up in unnecessarily. But we got to know how to fight the right battle. Remember, the Torah says Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. He even had to wrestle with the fact that his father didn't love him. That's tough. When you got a loved one, can you imagine your mom and your dad coming? You say, I don't like you. I hate you. Matter of fact, I don't just not like you. I hate you. That's tough. 
and you have that on you for the rest of your life. But that is brokenness that we have to heal from so that we can go into the next phase of life. Number three, confess any sin and cast your cares upon God. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And he does. Evidence of that was yesterday. Some of you guys don't know, I had to do a, uh, a Facebook Live this morning myself, and I don't normally do those. I have a team of people that I pay to do, take care of all my social media. But I had to do one. I got bombarded with a, almost 2,600 texts yesterday because people found out I was in a car accident on the way to Austin yesterday. But God, Amen. I'm fine. The guy that was driving me, he's got chest contusions. He should have been in much, Richard should have been in much worse condition. But God, he took out his time to drive me down because he didn't want me driving myself. He said, you're doing too much. I I know Jackie. Jackie, like, I tell you that all the time because you're crazy because you won't stop. (laughs) I know. I know. But I actually took her advice for once and I let him drive me down. And... We, we, we got hit by a bread truck in Robinson, Texas on I-35. Going, we were going about 80 miles an hour, and he slammed it to the back of us. And I was in the back seat. But look at God. See, his grace is sufficient for us. See, when you're doing his work and, and doing what he's called you to do, he's got you covered. And so... I confess my sins daily. And so I'm weird because sometimes I don't know of a sin that I could have committed. So I'm like, God, I may not know what it is, so I can't call it out by name. But if I did, I I recognize like David, all of my sins are against you and you only. So forgive me of all the sins that I committed, including the ones that are against you and you only. I don't know. I can't name them because I don't know. Because I'm trying to walk, in, walk, walk worthy. I'm trying to walk circumspectly. I'm trying to walk according to what your desire is. But how many know the, we're still humans? We still got issues. We still get in a little flesh a little bit. Sometimes we still want to flip somebody off on the highway. I know y'all don't have that issue, you know. You know that's, why I had, that's why I had to tell my old church, I need y'all to stop putting that pastor sticker on the back of my car. Every time I get another car, because what if I have a non-pastoral moment? And then people gonna be, <laughs> and people gonna be like, "Is that a pastor?" <laughs> that was a pastor having a human experience. <laughs> so, confessing the sins, casting your cares. Number four, protect your new identity in Christ. See, when you come into Christ, you're a new creation, a new creature, you're a new person. It doesn't mean you don't still have the same issues and the same struggles. It means he's made your spirit new and he's working on your flesh. Your flesh is a daily fight. That's why Paul said, I die to myself daily. See, if we're not putting ourselves in a position to die to ourselves daily, what are we doing? I got up this morning. I said, God, I got to die to me because I got to drive to new beginnings. And I know these people on 35W, they're going to get to me. 
and, and, and the old man going to try to rise up. So I need to die to you before I get on 35. Because I just, you know, after the being in the accident yesterday, I'm not in the right mind to deal with these people on the street because I haven't been driving. So, Lord, I need you to help me. Because if you don't help me, I'm going to show them the, the, the ungodly side. <laughs> you know, everybody likes to say, oh, no, I'm all holy. No, get for real. Come on now. Let's be real. Let's be real. Because God can't heal you if you're not honest. See, the problem we're still dealing with a lot of uh, junk and a lot of baggage is because we're not even honest with ourselves. We go home and we expect for our husbands and wives and fiancés and kids and everybody in our lives to be honest with us. And we can't be honest with us. How is God going to move you forward and you can't be honest with you? It starts with you. Jacob wrestled because it was an identity crisis between two ideologies in himself. See, we call it today schizophrenia. Yeah, it's all about him. So what, what we call schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder, that's the struggle within us. But if we line up with him, we won't have this multiple personality disorder. Because what happens is the more of him that's in us and the more of him that we're walking in, the more we're able to walk in his authority. And you, you, that, that, that old nature doesn't rise up nearly as much because what you do is you set out to cover yourself and keep yourself from walking like that before you get to that phase and stage. Amen? Uh, num- number five, uh, I got two more after that, and I'm going to get you guys out of here. Um, make new friends with people who are committed to God. See, you can't keep hanging out with the old crew. It's, it's kind of like I was, I was uh, counseling a couple a few weeks ago, and I was trying to figure out what was going on in their marriage, and Laura loved this. So I'm talking to them, and so the husband's hanging around a bunch of single men, and the wife is hanging around a bunch of single women. So can anybody tell me what's wrong with that, with that, with that relationship? They're, getting, they're married, and they're getting advice from their single friends. And I'm like, no wonder why you're having issues in your marriage. Because they, want, they miss you being single with them. And so when you divorce, they're going to be happy. But they're miserable right now because you're not a part of the clique. And they're, they're upset because they see you happy. So change who you're hanging around. And, and find those people that are committed to God that want to see the best for you. Number six, prevailing is continually resisting. Prevailing once is not permanent. Amen? We like to think it is or believe it is. It is ongoing spiritual, mental, physical, and financial activity. Why? Because the devil is actively working against us year-round. Whether we want to acknowledge it or believe it or not. He's working against us. Not only is he working against us, we're working against us. We're working against us with stinking thinking. Because we don't believe, well, God, I don't think I'm enough. I had a young lady at the class that I did here, the firearms class we did here yesterday. Said, well, you know, I'm believing God for a husband, but I don't think God has anybody for me. I said, so obviously you're not believing God for a husband then. Because you just countered what you just told me. 
Pastor, I want you to pray for God to send a husband, but I don't believe he has anybody for me. He, it, it, it's that, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so I told her, that's what you need to be praying. Lord, I believe your word wants me to have a companion. But Lord, I need you to help my unbelief so that I can be ready for that companion to come into my life. Amen. Same thing with, the, with your finances. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe I can have enough to pay my bills, to, to give and sow into kingdom principles, into kingdom uh, ministries, into kingdom initiatives. But Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because it seems like every, at the end of every month, it seems like there's more money than there is, more month than there is money. So Lord, I believe in you. I believe you are my source, but I need you to help my unbelief. Number seven, develop new godly habits. If you want to prevail, you have to have a renewed mind. Because the Bible says that it is with the mind that we serve the Lord. So if you don't have, if your mind has not been renewed, you can't walk fully in the principles that God has laid out for you to walk in. You can't walk in the divine blessing and the divine authority because it's your mind. We can't, we can't continue to think like we have always thought and continue to believe like we have always believed. And don't, um, what is it, uh, Psalms 1 and 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in his way of sin, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the Lord. So, don't surround your people, yourself with people that think like that. Don't surround yourself with what I call Debbie Downers. Surround yourself with people that believe God. Surround yourself with people of faith. Surround yourself with people of destiny. Surround your people, yourself with people that are seeking his face and not his hand. Because when you surround yourself with people like that, it builds your faith. It builds your walk. It builds your consistency in him. And you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think according to the power of God that is now working down inside of you because you have surrounded yourself with people that are feeding your faith instead of your ego. Thank you, God. Well, I thank you guys for taking this moment to endure me. With this Torah portion that was given to me last minute. <laughs> but it's okay. And we're going to pray for Mitch. And I'm going to pray a blessing over you guys. And, and I'll have a quick announcement. Um, I have a friend of mine that's running for the um, Fifth Court of Appeals. My, uh, you probably heard his name, Judge Mike Lee. He's trying to run. The problem he's running into is that he's a godly man, strong man of God. The problem he's running into is that when you run for a fifth quarter, any, any judge in Texas, not only do you have to pay a filing fee, you have to have so many signatures out of each of the counties that your office represents as a judge. So his judge seat will represent Dallas, Denton, Tarrant, Collin, Grayson, Rockwall, Henderson counties. It's a lot of areas. So if you have somebody, you have a civil court case and you file for an appeal, it goes to his fifth court of appeals. And so if you would help me by signing his petitions back there, um, I'm going to see him on Tuesday to get those to him because they have to have their filing has to be done by the 11th of December 
Otherwise, he will not be eligible to be on the March primary ballot. So I would ask that you guys would help me help him um, because we need some godly judges. Amen. Because I'm sick of these ungodly people telling us how to how to live and what to do. So I want to pray a blessing over you guys and I want to pray a blessing over over today's service and over all those that are sick and abroad. Father, we thank you. (laughs) Oh, we bless your name. We thank you for Mitch as he's recovering from the flu and and whatever other uh, matters may be happening in his body. God, we thank you that you are sending healing to him right now. God, we thank you that you are giving Laura the grace to continue to support and undergird the man that you have put in her life to lead her and lead the family, God. God, I thank you for Pastor Tears for her healing, for her divine healing, God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for Pastor Larry and the message that he's going to share with us this morning. Father, I thank you for every life in this room that has represented their families. God, I thank you that you're healing them in their marriages that you're healing them in their singleness, that you're healing and restoring them in their brokenness. God, I thank you that broken things can be repaired. And I thank you that you are a repair of the breach. And I I ask right now that you would repair whatever distance we have put in our lives between you. Decrease that amount of distance that we might know you in the power of your fellowship and in the power of your resurrection and in the power of your suffering. And we ask these things in the name of Yeshua. And all God's people said amen. 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 God bless you guys, and I will see you in the service.